0: So uh, listen, today's message is pretty, uh, f- pretty neat for me. I wrote this message uh, earlier in the week, and uh, as I wrote it, you know how Google learns you? I don't know if you know this, but Google knows you. And so my notes were in my computer about the message that I was going to speak, and it sent me a sermon to listen to. <laughs> I kid you not. And out of the notes that I had written down, I had written down f- f- uh, Three of the five passages that this guy Speaked on And I felt like his message was better than mine in some areas So I'm going to say some things of someone else that inspired me But I was blown away I was actually crying when I heard this And uh, God's been doing some things in my heart Just teaching me uh, Reminding me about how God loves me And, uh, and I, I, I kid you not In all my years I've, I've, I've not understood God's love for me, the way he has been teaching me through that last series we went through, through freedom, relearning just the, 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 the mindset of how I'm worthy and how he, 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 he enjoys me and he likes me and he wants me. And, and so this is transforming really my voice. And uh, today, based on that mindset and how much God loves me, something happened to some key people in scripture that changed their voice in the way that they... Communicate it, to the Lord, and I'm so—I mean, I am really excited to, to to talk about this with you guys today. I'm going to read a verse, and then we're going to pray. And I think that's all I have to say. Yes, John three sixteen today. We're talking about the pursuit of God. We're going to start a series over the next three weeks, and then uh, in the fourth week, we're not going to do pursuit because we're going to do my favorite sermon ever, uh, which is our Father's Day message. And so you're going to want to hear that. That's going to be pretty fun. For me, uh, John three sixteen. Uh, this is the, this is the, getting back to the basics here, right? If you have you ever graduated from understanding this verse, you've missed Christianity. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Father, Jesus, help. Amen. I got to do a wedding yesterday in, uh, in, in, up in Orlando and, uh, and it was a whole bunch of fun people and I prayed during the message and everyone started laughing and then they told me why afterwards and they said because they thought that when I prayed a blessing over the marriage couple that I was only going to pray, God help. Amen. And I was like, that's <laughs> terrible. I mean, actually I know how to pray, guys. I mean, I'm praying this because this is really the most honest, genuine thing I can pray in front of you guys. Uh, I don't want to, like, get this, like, cool, because what pastors do is they think of the right words to pray that's going to impress people. All I got is help. <laughs> Anyways, for God so loved the world, and so I'm thinking about how God so loved, how he, like, what is different about a so kind of love? Like, he's, he, was, he so loved us, and this is the radical love that God has. I, I realize that God likes me. That's how much he loves me. There's a really big difference. I know some people that love each other, right? But there's a difference when people like each other also, right? That's, that's a different kind of love. And um, and so for God so loved the world, I was thinking about how the, the, the love of a father for his kids. Well, I remember when I was a teenager and I would, I would go to baseball games or basketball games or soccer games, and I would see uh, the way uh, parents in the stands would love their kids, right? They would just get crazy. Something inside of them would snap. Something would trigger in their heads. They'd be foaming at the mouth and running up and down the court or down the sidelines, screaming, go for it, go for it. And then like, all, the, all your kid did was get tagged into the game, you know, like, like calm down. And I swore to myself in that moment that I would never be like them until I had kids, and then all of a sudden, like, you realize that you become like them. There's something that is fascinating, and I'm, I'm, like, about the reality that this human being is like you in some way, shape, or form. Like, it's crazy, and you get excited about the weirdest things. Like, when they fart it's all of a sudden like it's impressive you know I'm not trying to be like but you'd be like babe did you hear that like that was so awesome you know and like it's the it's the the nuances about the this this human being that is somehow more fascinating and like they'll eat and food is somehow covered all all over their face right like there's a a spaghetti that gets struck over their ear and you're like babe get the camera quick get the camera like this is awesome and we have company over our house and we'll see something exciting and and we'll kind of like interrupt the conversation to like look at something like Maylee is trying to dance you know and she's she's doing this and and it looks so goofy but it's so wonderful you know and like we wouldn't do this for any other human being you know if it, it was another kind of human being you'd get the camera and put it on facebook and be like look at this guy you know i saw at walmart the other day and when walmart attacks you know and then but like when, when you see it in your child it's like all of a sudden it's it's wonderful and it's it's great and it's because somehow we have this ability to recognize the greatness and the wonderful past all of the stuff we love We love, we love, we love, we love, we love, we love, we love. Today I want to remind you about the love of God in a way that is really just radical in my opinion. A love that I forget. And I don't want to learn so much about Jesus that I forget that He loves me. Uh, Me and (laughs) Teresa were talking again the other day and Maley will just out of nowhere just bust in a spontaneous song with... Yes, Jesus loves me. And it's like one of the only songs, she, she knows that in the Barney song, and uh, I don't know, but it's like when she sings, Yes, Jesus loves me, and she did it on her way to Orlando, I think me and Teresa were arguing about something silly, and all of a sudden, Malik <laughs> Bussin's song, and you realize nothing matters. There is nothing that matters. God is good. Yes, Jesus loves me. And I want to remind you of that today in a, in a, in a, in a really neat way. God is pursuing you. He is pursuing you. He's pursuing you. And 750 years before Jesus walked the earth, God spoke to the people of the earth through a man named Hosea. And Hosea was kind of unique uh, in that the what happened in his ministry. He 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 lived in the northern uh, section of Israel, and uh, and he communicated. And so what happened was God was he was a man was a prophet, and uh, the prophets kind of had some neat opportunities in the way that they communicated with people. God did some neat things and some intricate things through prophets, and some sometimes some strange things. But what was kind of neat about Hosea was Hosea uh, sometimes prophets. They, they didn't just have to speak, but they also had to live what they spoke. And I'm not saying that, like, like they became the illustration of the message that God would communicate. And this happened in a, in a really neat way with Hosea in that God provoked him uh, almost like in this awesome way that transformed the message of heaven in a way that was even also embarrassing to Hosea. And I'm going to take you into this journey, man. It was really unique. God spoke to this man named Hosea 750 years ago uh, before Jesus came. And he told him that he said, Hey, I want you to marry this woman whose name is Gomer now. I have a red flag with that. I'm sorry. I'm gonna have a hard time bringing this chick Gomer to my, you know, to I mean? like the family reunion. You know, and I you know, just God, I got We may have to talk. Time out. Uh, but as the story would get even more intricate, uh, uh, Gomer was a prostitute. Time out, God. <laughs> we have to talk. This uh, this may not work as we grow our family. Uh, but this is what the Lord would have Hosea do, at Hosea was obedient. Now, I don't know if God's ever put you in a position where he asked you to do something that made you feel uncomfortable, but Hosea's calling and his destiny was bigger than his. And what what I want you to understand is that the things that God is asking you to do in your life are far bigger than you. It is going to be really difficult, and it's going to cause you to have to believe greater than you currently are, and it's going to pull at things inside of you, a lot of questions and a lot of things I don't understand, but your life is a message to many people that are watching, which is why integrity is so important, and the church has to remember that, man. People are watching everything that you're doing, and so right now, some of you have questions about the season that you're in, and I want you to know, join the club. So do I. This is Christianity. Like God is going to call you to circumstances that simply don't make sense. And this is your life song. And God called Hosea to marry a prostitute. And I don't understand that. And he knew what he was getting into. And his ministry was booming. I mean, he was speaking not to a people or to a church or to a synagogue, but to a nation. He was the oracle and the mouthpiece of God that would communicate the heart of what he was trying to do to a people. That is a massive responsibility. And so he marries this woman, Gomer, and things are, are going well in Hosea. He uh, starts off, and, and uh, you know, what we kind of see is that he's, his ministry is growing, and his audience is getting bigger, and people are listening to what's happening, and God's actually blessing his home life. They, they have a child, they have a, they have a little boy, and, and it's like things are, are good. They have a little boy, and it's, it's so wonderful. I mean, this is the heart of every man, maybe ever, but also definitely in this time frame, you know, where a, a firstborn, a son, it's like, yeah, they got a son. I got a size as me. I got a, Mike is the man. And so he, they have a little boy. And then uh, a few years later, they, they, the, the scripture says that they, they had a little girl. And, uh, and then just after that, it was like God blessed them with, with a third child. And, and you could kind of see this family developing and, and, and being together, and, and Hosea being about his ministry and what God wanted to, to speak through his life. Do you have a dream? Do you have something that you see like this, this could happen? And, and many people as they set out on this journey and as life is happening, sometimes you don't recognize that things aren't going right. You see all of the things that is, is happening in Israel in this time frame. The country of Israel was booming. Uh, and so as I, I'm in, in scriptures right now, recently I've been reading two books over and over and over again. I've been reading the book of Nehemiah, and I've been reading the book of Hosea. And as I read Hosea again and again, I'm finding that, man, they were prospering, the, the, the country of Israel. And as Israel was prospering, I, Hosea's message was getting louder, like, hey, you guys have to be careful. And this was kind of the drum that just about what I see is the standard of every prophet of Israel. As you read the Old Testament, it's kind of like sometimes for me, maybe not for you, but for me, not for you, for me, I feel like I've read this chapter before. Kind of sounds the same. Israel, you need to change your ways. You need to return to the Lord. Otherwise there's going to be disaster. I want to bring blessing on your life. You have to listen to me. Give me your heart or there's going to be disaster. And this is kind of what I realize is what happens actually in life. As I hold hands with people, as they're doing life together, I can see that God has a way. And when we wander outside of that way, there is disaster. It strikes. And when it strikes, it strikes quick, fast, and it's devastating. Yeah. So God has a way, and he has a plan, and he had a plan. And Hosea, things were going great for Hosea as Israel's prospering. His, it's almost like his pulpit's getting bigger. There's a greater need for people as, as the nation of Israel are turning their hearts and their eyes to possessions and earthly things and to their crops and to their families. Hosea's banging the drum. Hey, guys, we got to return to the Lord. We got to return to we, otherwise the... Otherwise, bad things are going to happen, man, and you're, it's going to hurt. But you want blessing in your life? You want Jesus. Except they didn't have Jesus, right? And so they would... Okay, anyways. So his, his ministry's growing, and, and all of a sudden, it was like one day, Gomer woke up, Hosea woke up, Gomer's gone. Now, I don't know if, if, if you can imagine this one day, but one day can change a lot in your life. And this dude woke up, and it was, must have been, like, scary, scary. Like, what do I do now? Where is she? Did she leave a note? I don't know. Like, did she explain what was going on? But I can only imagine the things that was going through his head. Oh, no. What if she... Dot, dot, dot. What if she went back. What if she's doing again? What if she is return? What if what if things are really, really bad? Would she do that to me? Would she do that to my family? And the questions and the nightmares and the things that started going through his head. And I know that you know because I know what this is like because some of you have fears also. And his biggest fear became a reality and all of a sudden his ministry probably didn't matter as much as what was going on in his home. Can you imagine what would happen when the kids, Daddy, where's Mommy? Oh, man, I I don't want to answer that question. I don't know. And so what happens in Scripture is is Hosea, then he's trying to get it together and figure out, well, what do I do, and how do I raise this family alone, and and what what, what do I do, And, and God speaks to him. And, and this happens in Hosea chapter 3, and what I love is this is one of those short chapters. You know, It's just got a lot of good stuff, it sums up a big scenario in just a few verses. I'm going to read to you the first part of, of Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. I'm going to read the whole chapter today uh, as we dive into some other content. But Hosea chapter 3, verse 1, God speaks to Hosea, and he says this, God, then God ordered me, this is out of the, the only reason why I'm reading the message today is because I think it sounds cool in this verse. Uh, I I don't know why. It just sounds more English. Sounds more like the scariness that I would hear. Then God ordered me, start all over and love your wife again. Your wife who's in bed with her latest boyfriend, your cheating wife. I want you to go and I want you to love her. I want you to go and I want you to love her. I want you to go and I want you to love her. And I want you to go and I want you to love her. And I'm sorry, but in this moment, I don't know if I can do that, God. I don't know if God's ever spoken to you in a way that's massively discomforting. Now, this is what's best for you, Hosea. This is, I'm telling you, if you do this, it will be good for you. It will be good for your ministry. It will be good for your household. You gotta go get your wife. And you gotta love her. Can you imagine the change that's happening in his heart as he's, as he's reminding, okay, this is, uh, nope, I know we can fix this. I'm believing, God, that you can. That we can do this. We can do this together. We can do this together. And you know what, some of you, it's not your marriage. Man, it's a friend. It's your brother. It's your sister. It's your coworker. I mean, this is like real. Like they're going down a bad path right now and you gotta go get them. You gotta go get them and you gotta love them and you gotta fight with them. She's in bed with her latest boyfriend, your cheating wife. So Hosea sets out, and I don't know if you can imagine, but Hosea, the way I see it is he's, he's going down into like the places where no man of God should be, into the dark places looking and searching for his wife, through brothels, through whorehouses, through different scenarios of, this is not good where, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation uh, where, where, where you, know, you automatically enter into a place where the hairs on your arms stand up because you know this isn't, this isn't good. But what's happening in this guy now, all of a sudden he's being ordered by something that's bigger than him. Boldness is coming over him and he's knocking on doors, looking. I can imagine some of the conversations that would say, Hey, uh, um, have, you, have, you seen, have you seen Gomer? Oh. I, um, you guys are still together? I, um, yeah, man, I saw her um, just a couple days ago um, in that conversation. And there's something that happens about someone that can see past the circumstance into what God is speaking into their life. And what I mean by that is that where Hosea fixed his eyes was not on what the problem was, but what God said was going to be. He said, you go get your wife. You go get your wife. And it didn't matter now because I'm going to go get her. She's mine. Some of you have been there with your kids. Your kids are off in the enemy's territory. And I'm going to go get my wife, my kids. I'm going to go get my family. I'm going to go get X, Y, Z. Man, where you got to see with faith on what you know God has promised you. But it doesn't look like it. Hmm. Verse 2. No, verse 1, I'm sorry. This is the end of verse 1. He says, God says, love her the way I, God, love the Israelite people even as they flirt and party with every God that takes their fancy. This is the word, uh, the message, and I've just felt like I liked the way that they said it. I want you to go get her. I want you to love her the way I, your God, love Israel. Now, there are other uh, specific things in the Bible. What I love about this is that the book of Hosea transformed the scriptures. You would hear the same tone in, 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 in the New Testament and Paul talking about how husbands... Well, love your wives as, husbands love your wives as, this is our mission. Listen, people, we don't love the way they love us. We love the way Jesus loves us. This is it. Like sometimes in life, people aren't going to be good to us. And we're going to make the decision that I'm going to do the ministry of Jesus and I'm going to love the way I love that you don't understand. Bottom line. Life is going to happen and it's going to be scary and it's going to be confusing and it ain't going to make sense. But you're going to choose to receive a love and give a love. And he said, this is how I love my people. You're going to go and love her that way. And these people, man, they flirt and they party with every God that takes their fancy. And Israel is running, man. And Israel is running, and Israel is running, and Israel is running, 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 running. I believe this is a message today for us. I believe this is a message for our country. God is passionate about it, man. Check this out. So verse 2, And so I bought her for 15 shekels. Stop. I bought her back. What I love that's happening here is is, is, I can almost imagine what's going through her mind when he shows up at the door. I, I can't go. Why? Why? Because that's what sin does. Sin is a disease that tells you, you can't leave. You can't change. You can't move on to better. Like instantly she knows, this life that I'm living now sucks. This life that I'm living now is not what's good for me. It's not what's good for my kids. It's not what's good for my body. It's not what's good for my, I never dreamed of this. It may have felt good for a moment, but I don't know what caused her to leave that day feeling like something was better, a better decision or what she was running from. But I know in that moment she knew it wasn't good, but she felt restraint. And Isaiah said, you can't go, huh? Why? Oh, because she's a process- She's owned by someone else. He said, all right. I'll buy her then. Man. This is the image of Jesus. God buying back what is already his. There's no need for him to purchase something that he already made. You're already my child. I shouldn't have to buy you again, but I will. And I'll buy you again and again and again and again and again and again and again. Isn't that right? Or maybe it's just me. But I have found that the love of God will not leave me. He continues to pursue me regardless of how dumb or stupid or bad mistakes I make. God is for me. And it's so redeeming. And so he decides I'll buy her back. I'll pay for her. And he buys her with 15 shekels of silver and some other things that doesn't make sense to me as an American, right? He uses some barley. I got some... I don't know what else is it going to take me to get her? And then number three, he says, then I, I, then I told her, you are to live with me many days. And you, because he, you have to understand, he's, he's purchasing someone else's possession. He's renting her on borrowed time. You're going to come home with me. You must not be a prostitute or be intimate with any man. And I will behave the same way towards you. He, you know what he's doing right now? He's rededicating his vows. He's recommitting himself to her. I will not have anyone else. For better, for worse, for richer, for poor, till so death do it. Like I, there's no one else for me, it's me and you. Man, I wonder if you could be Hosea. I wonder if you would go and purchase Gomer. Because I can tell you right now that there's probably things in our life. Mm, I gotta wait. I, gotta, I can't get too excited. Verse 4 says, for the Israelites will live many days without a king and a prince, without sacrifice or sacred stones, without an ephod or household gods. And afterward, the Israelites will return to seek their God. So this is right after he gets her, the word of the Lord comes on him. He receives her as his wife again. He purchases her, and then he prophesies. He says, for the Israelites will live many days without their king or their prince. Those are dark days, man. This reminds me, right here, of this passage, four and five, it reminds me of, of the story of the parable of the lost lost son. They, they will live many days without their king or their prince, without sacrifice or second stones, without the ephod household gods. And afterward, the Israelites will return to seek the Lord their God and David their king, and there will come a trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days and they will come trembling to the Lord and to his blessings in the last days. I want to make sure I say, you understand what I'm saying here. Verse 5 is a, is a wonderful prophetic promise that after you've been out doing your dumb stuff and after the days have been dark, you come home and there's blessing. There's always blessing when we return to Jesus with all of our heart. There's always blessing when we return with all of our heart. There's always blessing when we return to with him to all of our heart. Like I don't know what it is in our mind, but there's two things that I want to make sure I get across today. And one of them, there's two mindsets that I hate that have creeped into the church. One is that you're not good enough. And I don't know who sold you that bill of goods, but it's hogwash, man. Like, I think sometimes we think that we deserve, we should be living a better life for Jesus, which is absolutely correct. But just because you're not doesn't mean that you don't deserve him. If any of you were to tell my son who makes mistakes on any given day that he is not worthy of me, I swear I'd punch you in the face. Because that's my son. He is always worthy of coming home to me. Because that's my son. I don't care what he does wrong. That's my kid. And we may not understand this, because, but, but something has to change in the church. Like we have to get identity again to understand that God loves you regardless of what you've done. And when you come home, there will be blessing. Mm-hmm. Amen. I got goosebumps on goosebumps. This is, this is, this is good preaching right here, Jamie. Yeah. All right. And so what's crazy is I feel like uh, th- 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 this this story and this understanding, it's, it's, it literally changed Israel's perspective of God the Father in that it wasn't just like, hey, Israel, you need to change. No, it was like now there was a heart behind it. Now there was an identity. There was actually like a, a commitment, this illustration that Hosea took on in saying that I will marry a prostitute and even if she leaves, I will pursue her. Now... It's not vengeance. We can see the love of God. We can see the commitment of God. But it's so crazy, the the, the view of the church, because it doesn't look like this. There's two mindsets. One, I believe, is, 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 is that I'm not worthy. And two, is that they aren't worthy. What I mean by that is that the person who made a mistake isn't worthy of my love. And I don't know where this came from and I don't know what happened and I don't know what made us so much better than them. But we must have fell on our head a lot because we are Gomer. This is who I am. I am Israel. This is the whole picture. You will go and you will love her just as I love Israel. And even though she turns her eyes, come on, some of you have turned your eyes. We've looked at other stuff. There's so much happening in America today. There's so many things happening around. Many of us said this last week, this week I'm going to pray. This is the week. I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to go for it. And we gave him what? We are Gomer. And we've settled for television and so many things that at the end of the day, it didn't rejuvenate us. It didn't give us peace. It didn't give us understanding. It didn't fill our hearts with love overflowing. It didn't give us unconditional love towards it. It didn't develop passion inside of us for anything. You know what it did? It made us numb. Watch, this is Israel. 750 years later, Jesus is sitting at a table with a bunch of people. Check this out, this... (laughs) This my mind. This is happening in the United States. It's happening in the church. It's happening at the way. Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. And Jesus, he went on from there and he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector booth. And Jesus said to him, follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, Matthew was a very wealthy person. He was would have been someone that probably robbed from other people. It just not robbed from them. But if it made his life better at your con- inconvenience, then so be it. He was a salesperson. And then, you know, he was willing to take advantage of other people. Check this out. And uh, Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, the tax collector, many other tax collectors and... And sinners came and ate with him. Jesus is sitting with Matthew. And other people like Matthew, they're all telling jokes. They're all having wine. They're all eating. They're all cutting up. And there's other sinners there. There's other people that don't fit in at the synagogue that don't belong. And other people are looking at this going, well, it doesn't look right. If those people don't go to the synagogue, what the heck is Jesus doing with them? He's the leader of the synagogue. But this is what we see. We don't see Hosea pursuing Gomer. We see a righteous dude sitting with a bunch of unrighteous people going, that ain't right. And, 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 and this is not me. This is the scripture. Okay, so, he, so then many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus said, is it not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick? I go and, learn what, he says, but go and learn what this means. I love it. I love when Jesus says stuff like this because he's like, no, 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 you don't get it. Go and learn what this means. Like, here, what I'm saying is you're an idiot. Figure this out. Look, it ain't the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick folk. It ain't the healthy that need a doctor. This woman made some bad decisions and it's the job of the church to pursue this woman until she's back home. Remember, Jesus said, I would leave all 99 of you there's about 99 of y'all here. To go find the one that ain't here to make her here. This has to get in our heart. We have to understand this isn't the message of the church. This is the message of the guy who died for the church. Why does your teacher, you with text us he says, not the healthy I need a doctor but the sick. Now go and learn what this means. Now watch this. He actually quotes Hosea, the guy that transformed the gospel. He says this. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Before we had prophets that made their living up, just telling people, hey, look, we've got to turn to the Lord. We've got to turn to the Lord. We've got to turn to the Lord. And now we've got a prophet who understands. No, no, the whole mission is to understand that this person is broken and we have to pursue them. Listen, we have to understand that there are people that God is putting in your life that the church will never get to. And it's your job to get to them, to commit to them, to pursue them, to be about them. They are sick and they need a doctor and you are their doctor. You are their friend. We cannot look at them as if we are better than them or above them or greater than them or they're dumb. We have to recognize that they're weak and they've made a mistake just like you did 10 minutes before when you gave someone the finger on (laughs) I-4. Or you ate too much the night before. Come on, like what, we, don't, we can't talk about gluttony in the church? It's just as bad to Jesus, but, but because it ain't crack, it don't get no attention. It ain't homosexuality, so we don't have to talk about gluttony. It's the same, and we make bad mistakes, and so do they. And they've got desires, and you've got desires. And we find whatever things we want that appease us and make us feel good. But it's all wrong. We have to understand the heart of God is that is my kid. That's my kid. Please, go get my kid. So, this is what Hosea said when Jesus quoted him. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, it's like the early dew that disappears. Your love is like the morning mist. Your love is like the early dew that disappears. When I was reading it and I cross-referenced it, I actually thought Jesus was complimenting them at first because I think the morning dew is a really good thing. And then he says, oh, no, it vanishes, man. You don't get it. It's not actually doing much. That, That grass is still starving. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt sacrifices. And what I see is that many of us have found a way to make our worship about us. That when we lift our hands and we sing loud, we're doing, God, something great. But true religion is that we would look after other folks. The down and the out and the forgotten and the weak and the broken. And we've got to turn back to those that don't know how to do it themselves. Some have lost their way. I ask you, maybe you're a gomer and you've made some mistakes, I want you to know that I have found in my own life that there is blessing when I return to Jesus. And I don't care what it looks like. I bring it into the light, and I say, God, I want, help me. I'm weak. And I want you to know that the love of Christ is that he said, I will pursue you. I so loved the world. I so loved you. I was so radical for you that I will pursue you. I'm not done. I'm not done following you. I will be there. I will be there. I will be there. I will be there. Now Check this out. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. I didn't know this verse. This was not part of my notes. I heard it from someone else and I thought it was really great and I said, like, I'm going to use that. Check this out. And this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The two mindsets I think the church has to destroy is that I'm not good enough for him and that they're not good enough for him. There is someone in your life and you're the only Hosea they'll ever know. They are broken, they are confused, and they are scared. And I believe that if the church gets this wrong, man, we're gonna get it wrong. I determined a long time ago, I had a a pastor that was kind of strict years ago and they were never afraid to throw their opinion out there regardless of how you felt. And there's some people like that, a lot of them, Uh, They can actually be prophets. Um, What I learned is that I would rather err on grace than I would on my arrogance. Because my arrogance and being right can destroy a lot of people. I'd rather be wrong and be forgiving than err on being right and hurting someone. You don't have to be right, but you do have to love. For God so loved the world even when we didn't love him, he loved us. So I close with this. This is kind of weird, and I planned it, but I didn't tell you. Would you come? Um, I knew I was going to ask you to come, but you didn't know I was going to ask you to come. And just Will you play something? He's a friend of the way. Um, we've been praying for you for years, and we're grateful that you're here. He's a worship leader in another place. They're not as good as us. And, uh, we're, we're better than them. Um... Here's, here's my heart, guys. Just stay with me for, for a minute and a half. I think that there are people that God has put in your life that, you, I, I don't know if you would, but this is not a, what I love about this story is they made it not as a scenario that it was like two mystical people that don't really exist. But this was a guy who had to decide whether he was going to obey God at the stake of his own blood, sweat, and tears. And he chose to obey God, and it changed the way the gospel was presented to an entire nation. I think that there are people in your life that you've got to figure out how to pursue. I wonder in your life, would you be Hosea? Would you be the one that goes after? I'm going to turn off, Rich.